Welcome back to the Between Podcast. I'm Niles. I'm Gwen. And this is where we talk about the social, political, and economic significance of femininity, masculinity, and all things included. And today we have a special guest, Maya. We're going to clap. But there's Maya. <laughs> I don't know if I should say something here. I don't know if I should say like, cheer there. Hi. Well, Maya, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> all right. Um, my name is Maya. I'm also doing a capstone at Harley. But that, I mean, the fact that it's at Harley is probably understood. You can edit this whole thing out if you want. Um, I'm actually very bad at talking is my greatest secret. It's not a secret. My name's Maya, and I'm doing a capstone. I'm a senior here, and I'm the president of the GSA at Harley, which is the Gender Sexuality Alliance, because I myself am gay for women and a trans woman, um, which kind of explains my, my little, like, deep tones that I got going on, but, you know. Can you tell us a little bit about your capstone? Yeah. So, my capstone is... The big word version is it's about increasing narratives and visibility and resources, or the visibility of narratives and resources for queer and trans teens. And so what that looks like is the main part of the capstone is I'm working on like a little narrative book about my own coming out experience and finding my own identity, because I think it was a bit unorthodox and that I was at a, a Catholic all-boys school when I realized that I was in fact a girl. So it kind of put me in a weird situation. It would. Um... And then it's it's in like a, a poetic form, I guess. I get nervous calling it poetry because poetry is really confusing. And I like to think this isn't like you can kind of read it once through and know what's going on pretty well. And that I can't do that with poetry. So maybe it's just clear poetry instead of like super convoluted, uptight poetry. Yeah, but some people think that's bad poetry. So yeah. I don't know. It's well, it's a verse book. People- it's a verse book. I like that. Mm-hmm. So the reason why we invited Maya to come talk to us today, thank goodness she said yes, is because we're talking about today in this podcast, since we're talking about masculine and femininity, obviously, but we're talking about how those two gender stereotypes actually affect the LGBTQ plus community. And so we invited Maya because she is known to be a smart lady and also... <laughs> and is also pretty with it on all the up and coming of info and she's dabbing <laughs> um and also she's very fun to talk to and she brings up a lot of good points absolutely thanks um so i was doing a little research because i am not i'm a cisgender woman and i'm straight so i don't have personal experience with the lgbtq plus community but i was looking up how sexism and homophobia intersect in this situation which involves the gender stereotypes. And I was looking up a lot of it, and it came up how when you, for example, when teenage boys are teasing each other and they're saying, oh, that's so gay, blah, 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 they're actually, they're maybe not accusing their friend of being attracted to men, but they're actually accusing them of having feminine traits, which are associated with the stereotypes of gay men. That's actually kind of funny because my capstone, not funny, but like (laughs) my capstone's on masculinity and I was just reading something about that and I think it's called gay baiting, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that, y'all. But um, I think that's what it's called and it's essentially what what Gwen just said in that 
they're not accusing them of actually being gay, but because they're quote unquote different than the other boys, then they like they use those kinds of words and slurs to make them feel less manly, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. Um when you told me this was the topic, there's there's so much to talk <laughs> about here, so you can feel free to cut me off at any point. There's a lot of like sexism fr- coming from outside of the queer community. My disclaimer is I can't speak for the whole queer community and some people don't like the term queer. Um anyway, um like there's a lot of sexism from outside of it. Like you have people looking at like more masculine presenting lesbians and being like, be normal. And you have people looking at feminine gay men and being like, be normal. But then also within the community, there's a lot of internalized sexism. And just if you talk to a lot of LGBTQ plus people, you talk to like lesbians that had trouble coming to terms with like, I am a lesbian, but I don't play softball and have a buzz cut and (laughs) wear ripped jeans all the time. Like I still wear dresses or You'll talk to gay men that'll be like, I am more masculine, or, or I am a stereotype, and I feel bad about being a stereotype. Um, like, there's a whole, like, grinder, the, the mm. online dating app for gay men. There's this whole stereotype within it that, I mean, you, you go on there, and it's just a bunch of dudes looking for, like, masculine men, looking for masculine men. If you're not white and buff, don't talk to me. Ew. Um, It's awful. And, like, racism within the community, too, is just, like, embarrassing that a community with so much experience and being discriminated against does so much discriminating um and then within the trans community it's it's a whole nother cup of worms because with gender it goes without saying that the gender stereotypes are only more pronounced so like i came out as a trans woman and there were a few months where i was like i guess I have to be girly now. So I was like wearing skirts and watching makeup tutorials and like waking up to do like the full face of makeup. And it was it was a few months into being out where I realized like I do not enjoy that. And that was that was a weird thing. Like it it's an easy thing to say like girls don't have to wear makeup and all that. But when when I was like trying to assert myself as a woman to give myself permission to not do womanly things, um was difficult and it was difficult for a lot of people around me too like I told my mom once I wanted to wear like a shirt and tie uh this was after I came out and like after I was a girl my mom like sat me down and she's like hey are you changing your mind and I was like no 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 like I'm just gay like um that's not what I said that was a little lesbian joke um I was like no I just I like shirts and ties like they look cool um, I wore a tux to prom this year, and there were some people like, are you like, if you're going to wear a tux and date women, why didn't you just stay a dude? Um, it's, it's a whole thing. And then you talk, you get the same thing from trans guys, where they're like, I was raised as a girl, which means to be a lot more soft-spoken, to kind of hold my opinions closer to my chest, and now I'm surrounded by dudes who are rough and tumble and shouty, and I just don't know how to interact in those spaces. And so it's just, there's... At every turn, it seems like some gender stereotype that you weren't expecting or were raised in, and now you have to unlearn or weren't raised in, and now you have to learn it. And it's it's a wild time. It's a safari out there. <laughs> it's a safari, and because that makes it like because all the oh stereotypes gross, but it's kind of because you're saying it's like there's one way to be a man and there's one way to be a woman, and obviously there's not. That's just society being salty. Um, but yeah, I can, and also, like, and I want to, I think it would be very cool to wear a suit. I just haven't found 
I'm not there yet myself, but I'm a cisgender straight woman and I want to wear a suit. So it's not, there's not one right way to do, be any, for like, just be yourself. Story. Yeah. And a lot of things like in doing research, a lot of things people will like say, oh, like these masculine characteristics or these feminine characteristics, clothes, etc. And it's like they're just things. And then you put that label with it and then it becomes an association. Then it becomes a stereotype, which is like problematic in and of itself, because no trait or no piece of clothing or thing should have a gender necessarily associated with it and it it gets even more complicated when you're within it because there is a lot of safety in these stereotypes like when i was dressing really femininely and wearing makeup it's just a lot easier to count on the fact that i'll be seen as a woman because Mm. i'm performing that femininity whereas like i've been out for almost two two years now and at prom like someone one of the parking attendants like called me sir um and so kind of with that and like i don't i don't blame him Mm because my hair was messy at that point and i didn't have any makeup on i was wearing a shirt and tie um and so there's there's a degree of like sacrifice in that you're sacrificing safety when you abandon these stereotypes and it really sucks that that's the trade you're making Um, And it's not just with trans people. Like, there's this lesbian comedian who, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she said, like, I don't even know if I like dressing like Butch. It's just easier than coming out to everyone I meet. Um, And so it's just this whole where there's there's a lot of power in embracing stereotypes in terms of visibility and and safety. And so it's something that I think every, every queer person has to find their own personal balance of which stereotypes do I feel empowered by, and which ones do I reject? I'm sorry, could you go back to the joke? Because I, I missed the punchline. What what does the comedian mean by that? Oh, um, she's just saying, like, because, you know, there's the stereotype that lesbians dress, like, really masculine, and, you know, they cut their hair and wear shirts and ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, butch lesbian is generally the term. So this comedian was was a butch lesbian, and she was saying, like, I don't, know if I enjoy dressing like this like maybe I'd love to do skirts and grow my hair out and wear makeup but if I did that then I'd have to explain to everyone that saw me that I was lesbian whereas when I dress like this they just look at me and know so it's a lot easier so she was like oh. making a joke about the stereotypes and the assumptions that come with them okay thank you that actually reminds me of something we were talking about in the last episode with Eleanor we were talking about racial stereotypes because um we were, t- they were talking about black racial stereotypes and how young black people are trying to find themselves, but they, like, they either like, they can like rap music, but they feel like then they're maybe giving into a stereotype associated with that, or they like all of these, so, all of these stereotypes associated with their culture, and so they're like, do they know, is it actually, do they actually like it, or is it society putting them on them? Are they giving into society if they like these things that are stereotypes about their people? Um, so that just reminded me of that too. I think everyone, like, no matter who you are, they you go through like that phase where you kind of almost want to reject those stereotypes, and you're like, I have to be everything like away from those stereotypes, and I have to like push away from that stuff to kind of rebel, I guess, in a sense. But then, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But then, then like, you come back, and you're kind of like, well. Maybe I like eating fried chicken, and that's just that. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys... 
I've, I've said before, and I think being, like, queer or a person of color, like, any min- minority means just doing, like, some constant mental math just under the surface because at any given moment you're you're taking stock of the people around you and where you are and your location and what you're doing and you're thinking if i do this am i a stereotype if i if i do this will i sound like an angry minority if i do this will people think it's funny or will they think it's too funny that they won't keep me seriously or take me seriously will they feel bad for me if i make this joke but will they um start thinking that they're like above uh, privilege if I make this joke and then then that's just the internal stuff because then you can look and you're like am I safe to hold hands with my girlfriend here or is this somewhere where like I can mention that I'm trans and it's just it's constant mental math like in in a disturbingly large number of states you can still lose your job for being like gay or trans um, and so there's all this mental reckoning that comes with what stereotypes do I enjoy but then there's another layer of like what stereotypes are safe for me to enact and or reject like some people are in a place where they can perform not femininity as a woman because they might get like beaten or harassed and when you add like the racial element like it only gets so much worse like the life expectancy for trans the average life the, the average length of life for a trans woman of color right now is like 35. I just read that did you post that on your Instagram? I think Kai did. Oh. That's and that's at. just like abominable like 35 35 wow. yeah terrible so that's i'm that's so because you because you were just talking about how in some ways it's easier or safer to present with these stereotypes because then you don't have to come out over and over and over again but at the same time mm-hmm. you can't do that because your safety might be in jeopardy Love is love. Be who you are. Gee, like, mm-hmm. like people I, just gotta chill. Like, I like having short hair, but right now I'm letting my hair get long because my family wants me to go to a Catholic retreat over the summer, and I know if I go there with short hair, people are gonna pull me aside and be like, hey, are you changing your mind about the trans thing? And so I'm just gonna leave my hair long for it and dodge that whole conversation. And so it's just, it's just you know, sometimes you gotta do shit. Sorry, stuff. I don't know if I can swear on this. <laughs> That actually, that makes me think of, because I was also looking up, because um, since my capstone also has to do with feminism, because I'm kind of, because with sexism, obviously, people talk about feminism, and the importance of intersectionality in feminism, because I remember, obvious, not obviously, but when I was growing up, my parents were always like, ah, you got to love that gender equality, everybody's equal, and so I was raised as to be a feminist, and I associate with that, but I didn't, until a few years ago, I didn't understand the importance of what I didn't know what intersectionality was or the importance of it and I, it's not that I was thinking I was thinking oh no these people aren't they shouldn't be a part of feminism I was like feminism is great for everybody it lifts everybody up but the thing with intersectionality is that you're not only accepting people and trying to bring people of women of color trans women women of the LGBTQ whether gay or lesbian or pan or just anything like that you're not, it's not just you're like, yeah, 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 you're fine, you're fine. It's that you're purposely making sure and acknowledging that their experience is different than yours and their oppression is different than yours. And I thought that, and I think that's really important just to bring up because it's not always, the feminist history has not been accepting of people that are supposedly different, but how are you different when there's not a norm? Um, and so that just made me think of that because you have all these different people and all these different types of women 
but they're not, they don't all experience sexism the same way. And that's why you have to make sure. And there's, because there's so many problems with especially um, trans women not being accepted into feminist movements because they're trans. And even though they are women, they weren't born that way scientifically. And it's just, it's so ridiculous to me, but it's still a big problem in the feminist movement. So I guess what are some, sorry, that was really good. I was just yeah, that listening. Was, that was really good. <laughs> um, so do you see like possible changes occurring right now or we still have a lot of work to do? Like what's, well, I what's think, going on? Where do I you mean, think? I try to be intersectional as possible, but obviously I still have a lot to learn. Um, and also just a little shout out because the intersectionality was first introduced to include black women because in the beginning, like suffragettes for the getting the vote and everything, they weren't, they were white women in the middle class who weren't. They did not want black women to be part of their group. They were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, no, we're focusing on us right now. Um, but so intersectionality was first introduced by Kimberly Crenshaw. And so a little shout out to her because she's, she's a pretty dope person. Um, and I think I'm, because now that intersectionality is being actually discussed and talked about, that it's obviously there's room, now people are acknowledging it and it's getting better. But I think there's still a long way to go because it's just, <sighs> People don't, they don't always, you don't acknowledge that there are different types of oppression. Because it's like, well, I'm oppressed too. I'm a, it's like, nobody's saying you're not, sweetie. We're just saying it's a little different. Yeah, a lot of people will fall into that, um, I guess, fight between like, oh, I'm more oppressed than you are. Pressure and, Olympics. Yes, and then you just go back and forth, and then you're both still oppressed and don't get anywhere. Yeah. So then it's just like, where do we waste all that time for, you can't you know? get equality until you get equality for everyone mm -hmm. and Absolutely. a lot of times it's like i've recently seen this word more often but uh equality versus equity and like mm. excuse me um because equality could mean everyone have the same things but that's assuming everyone starts in the same place so like that importance of equity, my understanding, is giving people what they need in order to achieve or have the same um, chance or the same opportunity as other people. And so for some people, that might need, they might need more boosting, I guess, or more help than other people. It's not, we're not picking one over the other. It's just a matter of, oh, because they were oppressed so much, they need to, you know, get the yeah. support that they need to succeed. I remember there are actually, if you just look up, go on like Google Images and you look up equality versus equity, there are actually some really good visual aids that explain it really well. The boxes? Yeah. Are, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you have like, you have um, a black person and a white person and the white person, um, they're both at the same level of the fence and they both want to look over the fence, but the white person has boxes to help them. And then I think they're white. Maybe, maybe I'm just assuming. Um, but then I remember I also saw this other one. And really, you can put any marginalized group in this position, but this one was specifically men versus women, and it was both, it was starting a race, and they were both on the same race line. Of a, not the not the skin color, the actual, like, the running thing. Um, but the woman had all these boulders and obstacles in front of her, and the man had a clear shot toward the finish line. Mm. And so those just, I think that's... That's why I think political activism art is cool because it's a really easy way without having a whole conversation to just make the point clear. And right. Like, and I know this is this is a far leap from where we started this conversation, but that's the problem with like all lives matter philosophy mm. is because like no one's saying that like all lives don't matter, but like some lives aren't 
under attack right now, and some people aren't losing their rights at this moment. And so it's it comes down to that equality versus equity thing, because everyone's life is important, but some people's lives aren't under threat right now, mm -hmm. and so they don't need that attention right now because they are not under that attack. They're not That's in danger. Just, yeah. Exactly. And just kind of to add to that, that... Um, I think they're, they're just kind of missing the word too. Like Black yeah, Lives um, Matter too. Always like say that. just as important. And like you said, we're not saying that um, other lives don't matter. But it seems to be in like the news and, and going on in the world that it seems people seem to forget that some people's lives matter. So it's just kind of like a, mm -hmm. uh, a chance or like a, um, a reminder that we're here too and we matter like just yeah. as much as the people whose lives aren't in a threat it's so. pretty obvious subtext to me but people just choose not to see it because they don't like the movement so they choose not to see the invisible too in the hashtag but you know mm -hmm. i i'm glad you mentioned the the idea of suffering olympics because that's that's definitely something you see a lot like within marginalized groups and it just doesn't get anyone anywhere like um like cisgendered like white gay men can like have hard lives homophobia is very much alive but they have the privilege that comes with that comes with being cis and white and male and like that's that's a pretty like cut and dry example i think but people feel so threatened sometimes when you suggest that they don't have it the hardest and that just that gets us nowhere like it's it's not it goes without saying that people have it harder than you, but it's something that people seem to struggle to accept so much, and we lose so much ground because of it, and we, we get this infighting between these marginalized groups that really have so much to gain from working together, and it's just, I don't know. I don't really have a solution. Well, the solution is be intersectional and be aware of others' experiences. But mm. I was um, reading something earlier yesterday or today, and it was about... It said, the title is called Toxic Gay Masculinity. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And so I was reading about it, and they were saying, like, cis white men, cis white gay men, they, like, not all of them, but some, some of them still have those stereotypes about masculinity still, like, in their mind and stuff. And so the guy who was writing it gave an example. He was working with this uh, cis white gay man, and he was saying how, he basically actually he did say that like he like he was attracted to black men but he would only have sex with black men and bring white men home you know like does that make no, sense I, do you understand what i'm saying that's the thing not just in like with it's not but like they were saying how that yeah. was like he the person who was writing this they didn't think that that was something that really happens within the lgbtq right, plus community you're already aware of this other suffering so why would so you it's like why would you even think to do that but yeah. it's there so. and people kind of give themselves permission to get such blind spots where they'll be like no like i'm gay i can't be racist and it's like that's not at all that's there's not no all. correlation <laughs> like mm -hmm. yeah yeah one other thing that we were talking about earlier that maya mentioned was you were talking about how in some states in the u.s you can still be fired for being gay or being trans and stuff like that. And I remember earlier, a couple episodes ago, Naz and I were talking about um, gender discrimination 
in the workplace and how there there weren't but now then there were supreme court cases and all that jazz and now there are clear laws that still get screwed with a little bit but clear laws protecting women and men from gender discrimination but on the those two binary levels and so there are less there's not as much protection for trans people or gender queer people or gender non-binary or gender non-conforming people um and i think that's because they're they are not new to society, but they are new to being acknowledged by society. And I was looking up because it was talking about the Civil Rights Act. It only started protecting transgender and non-binary people in the workforce. That was something I looked up and it, it was like, because you have this protection, but you have it on the two opposite ends of the scale and you have nothing for people in between. Or it's less, it's not great. And I know the existing protections for trans folks or some of what's like in threat of being rolled back or already being rolled back yeah. with the current administration and and there's still because i remember this is what bothers because i no, i don't come from a military family i don't come from a family that is a part of the neither of my parents are part of the lgbtq plus community but the um, military ban on trans people or gender non-conforming people not being able to be a part of our military really makes me mad because I feel like if you want to fight for our country and fight for what you believe in, I don't see why in any reason people should be punished or excluded for being brave. And that's just something that made me think because the discrimination in the workforce, that's one thing that's national news and I, I can't understand it. <laughs> yeah. That like makes sense. <laughs> it's because the... Arguments I hear in favor of it are like, oh, well, so many trans people, like, have trauma or, like, have depression that, like, it's just a liability to put them in the military, um, which, I mean, on a few levels, like, if so many trans people are ending up with trauma, let's kind of, like, look into that. <laughs> um, or, like, the cost of transitioning is something else that has been cited, um, and military spending is a whole nother can of worms. There's a specific... You can edit this part out if you want. Viagra, the military spends a whole lot of money on it, and that's neither here nor there, but they're not willing to cover transition. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think, like, the core crux of it is they are assuming that the, the experiences of trans people are the same across the board when they're not, and then also just the right to serve in the military, I think, comes with citizenship and being able to say you are a valued part of this country we welcome you if you stand up to defend it. And so even for people that don't support the military or wouldn't want to serve in the military, they look at this and they still see a blanket ban across millions of people restricting a fundamental part of like citizenship just on the basis of that one characteristic. And that's that's why it's really not great because it's it's the beginning of that just repealing of rights like one by one for these groups of people. Save for the people in the back. No, that's really good. And um like just the importance of like of I know for minorities being American, like part of my our, my English project, you know, the English project we were doing and we had to pick a poet and my poet was Langston Hughes and he has this poem called I Too and it basically talks about he's an American just as much as anyone else, like regardless that he's dark and stuff like that. And I don't know why that what you just said, Maya made made that connection in my mind, but like just being able to do all the things that Americans are supposed to do. And if you're restricted or limited or d denied any part of that, 
like you said, it's like taking away your Americanness or making you like less free. Second class citizen. Yes. Which marginalized groups already are often treated as. And so then legally doing that, it's like, what are you doing here? Not cool, bro. (laughs) And it's, it's not just trans people. Like the military ban is trans people but then you have like people of color and mass incarceration restricting rights to vote like it's Mm -hmm. it's really a large like scale effort how coordinated it is depends on i don't know i guess we'll never know um but we just we see these large-scale efforts restricting fundamental rights of whole groups of minority peoples and it's 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 terrifying and it actually just like with mass incarceration preventing people preventing people of color from voting. And also, I'm, um, I heard a new argument because the abortion ban just... Thank you. I, was, I wanted to bring that up. It just came across, um, it, or it was just passed a few days ago. And one of the um, points about it is that all these women who get abortions or people that have uteruses, because some people don't identify as women but still have those reproductive um, organs, all those people, not all, it's not like all these people are getting abortions all the time, but any people that do and then get convicted under this new ban will be convicted as felons and will not be able to vote and that's about 50% of the population that is being affected by that and all these women that suddenly because of the law that convicts can't vote in the U.S. won't be able to vote so their right to vote is taken away from them which is again another like core citizen value or right in the United States. And um, speaking about the the uh, new abortion law in Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and Alabama. I saw a tweet the other day, and it was <laughs> talking about like how this affected the trans community. But I forget how. Do you guys have any sort of insight on how that would? I forget how exactly they worded it, but it, it was really good. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest effect that I've seen on the trans community is just the way that it. It kind of like delegitimizes and leaves some trans folks out of the equation because um you know like a lot of trans men's are like capable of like the female role in reproduction or like non-binary folks like folks who are neither men nor women but were assigned female at birth like this is taking away their rights too and just a lot of times they're left out of the conversation and that's the whole intersectionality thing whereas you still have to acknowledge it's not like this norm that people automatically associate with there are all these different types of people that are still affected by stuff um and so but yeah mm-hmm. and it's interesting because again social media <laughs> you <laughs> see like the people who are making the decisions and like who are helping vote no who are voting to help pass this these kinds of laws and it's like well, what do you have to do with any of this it's <laughs> like you are like the least likely to have to you know deal with that so yup i mean i think by the reason i say that is just it kind of shows how we're lacking a lot of diversity within government because if we had that diversity i don't think that that these kinds of laws would be coming up because because people that wouldn't make sense you would represent the entire country and not just a couple people that have the same core values that are controlling everything And it certainly comes back to that intersectionality because uh, I've had people say to me, like, the governor of Alabama is a woman, so, like, it Mm. can't be a sexist law. Um, And that's that's just such a, a, 
inaccurate two-dimensional way of seeing it because this is this is certainly like uh, a men versus women's issue um, and this is definitely restricting women's rights um, but even just setting setting that aside right now it's this is also the fact that she's a woman doesn't negate this ban it's just a terrible idea because she's she's a woman but she's also white upper middle class like just all the things, like, probably upper, upper middle class, like, life of privilege, because mm-hmm. to make it in politics, like, the way our current system works is if you don't have a life of privilege, and here she is making decisions for, for queer people and trans people and people of color. Poor people. Um, yeah, lower income people. So even if we, even if we take the, the sexism side out of it, which is absolutely just a bogus thing to do in the first place, because this is absolutely a sexist ban but even if you look past that for a moment there are so many other fronts that this is an attack on the rights of or on or i don't know what the proper proposition is there (laughs) um and it's just it's absolutely like i think some of the people defending it and passing it it's just an absolute failure to be intersectional on all fronts yeah and also there is just with the whole she's a woman so it's not sexist there's 100 percent a thing of internalized sexism just like there is internalized racism and internalized homophobia so that doesn't mean just because she's a woman it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt women and it's not like she just up and did that by herself Mm -hmm. like it's not like she i herself made this whole decision and then it just happened right okay well first of all the word of the day today is definitely intersectionality yes um for those who don't know would you, one of you like mind kind of giving a definition just so we have a clear understanding of what that is? I think in the broadest sense, it's just making your activism all-encompassing um, and not in like an all-lives-matter way where you're negating the struggles of any one group, more you're keeping in mind the unique struggles of each group, like um, that trans people are barred from the military and that police violence specifically affects like black and latinx members of like communities and it's so intersectionality is really about keeping in mind the specific struggles that everyone faces so that no one gets left behind by these movements forward yeah and i think something i've learned about intersectionality is that you can't just say of course no everybody's equal everybody deserves the same rights you have to really you have to do the research and be actively aware and by actively aware i mean like you when you're thinking about a social issue you have to really figure out how it affects different types of people and not obviously it's bad. sexism hurts everybody ah but how it specifically affects different people different ways so it's not, i think it's like yes of course everybody deserves the same rights great but that's not necessarily intersectional because you're not doing the work to actually investigate how it does affect people i want to say thank you to maya first of all because yes. she was such a great guest no, thanks awesome. so much for having me this was so much fun this. Yay, Maya! I'm clapping. I'm clapping for you guys. <laughs> so thank you so much to Maya for coming because I learned a lot and she's just she's a she's yes, smart. I learned this a lot a dream too. Come true. I love podcasts <laughs> and you guys are so cool. This was so much fun. So thank and you thank s- you to you guys for listening. Yes, we will be back soon with a new episode. So with a new topic. Thank cool. you so much. Stay tuned. Peace. Yeah. Uh-huh.